Why don't you start with a little improv? A little improv. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm incredible at improv. You know, sometimes I don't even rehearse before I have my classes. I do my classes. I don't rehearse before I go into meetings. Have you guys ever noticed that? Does that come through at all? That's impressive. I, just, I always, I always I never repeat knew. the same improv bit whenever I'm improv on something. Yeah, you always sort of like look it over. You got it written on your hands. What's your, I, what's your yeah, go-to well, improv the, I've, bit? I've got the lines memorized, and I got my character just all sorted out. So it's all, that's some pretty good. That's some here's pretty good Garrett's improv. improv. <clears throat> <laughs> hi, hi, I'm, hi, I'm Mar- hi, I'm Garrett Lively. Is this Pizza Hut? <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to order a. Lo- I'd like to order a large cheese pizza. Oh, you don't have large cheese? I- I'll take a pepperoni. You're, you're making a joke of me confusing my name, but I actually, like, if I'm ever, like, giving my name for a loyalty program, I'm like, Mar- uh, Martin? Should I say Martin? Garrett. <laughs> you guys want my middle name? Has anyone wanted your middle name? Why do nope, you, why do you immediately come out and throw that out there? Well, no, they don't want my middle name, but sometimes I just put my like when it you know just says name in the the field that you use to fill it out. Yeah, they might want to know. They I just put curious. Garrett Lively, but sometimes I don't remember what I put, so I'm just like, did I put Garrett? Did I? You're like, how official is? If this? you've never done it, if you've never done that, then why would you think you made it? You might have done it this time. Did I put Martin? No, did sometimes I, put... I do though. That's the issue. I switch. I'm like, I'm just gonna put Martin, so I remember when I get there, or then when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do this thing that I never do, so I remember that I did. Sometimes I think ahead, and sometimes I think back. You know, who knows? Time of day, just kind of got it all planned out. I'm glad that we have great minds like you, Garrett, who are just so gifted with improv. Because improv is the it's the birthplace of like biting satire of of incredible uh, incredible comedic takes that have completely shifted the cultural landscape of the United States. And we can look back to the history of improv and whose line and all these, uh, you know, and classic one, a huge part of improv, Garrett, is sketch comedy. All right? Now, when I think of sketch comedy... Is that when you draw your improv joke out? Yep. Like with you draw it out much longer and, and not draw like like sketching. I, I meant like, you know, Just you take a whole long. lot of time to make a joke that like no one really in. thinks is funny. Yeah, you're like three minutes in before you even introduce the show, and that's just hysterical. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. Improv game in the United States is on point. Same with the sketch comedy game. When you think sketch comedy, you think SNL. But not everyone does. Not everyone was drinking Coca-Cola. Some people were drinking RC Cola. Not everyone is going to McDonald's. Some people are going to Hardee's. They're psychopaths. They're they're <laughs> effed up in the mind. And they're watching Mad TV, Garrett. Mad TV. Friends what of the show. Mad? That's that's the only experience I have with it. I know they did the magazine and everything like that, but my only experience with Mad was the sketch comedy show that Fox was just like, let's have a let's have a low rent, yeah, sketch comedy show to compete with SNL. Do you ever you ever watch Mad Gear? I did. I think I just mostly watched clips, but I think even like all that had a better like production value than, than Mad TV, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit sad. Yeah, it, it's like almost because I mean I was watching it in the early 2000s late 90s probably mm-hmm. and it feels like i was watching the cosby show from like the 70s and 80s or something like that they <laughs> I, I think they took all the money that they had for set design and they used it to like purchase cocaine for the uh, comedians <laughs> yeah there. like oh my god yeah obviously all the all the comedians there yeah. had substance abuse and it's, <clears throat> but like I, I think uh the thing with mad tv is that they had some pretty memorable moments like garrett was saying that were youtube clippable yeah. and i wanted Stuart. to know Stuart, they Stuart. had uh, Alex Borstein's character, that uh, little short lady that she played. Uh, don't remember it. Everyone, everything with Mad TV is like you describe you you can describe sort of the character they played. You don't know the name other than Stuart. Like it's just like, hey, they had this one thing that they did. Do you remember Bon Quee uh, You know yeah. that they they had they had the whole bit where you know it was you know Bobby Lee would play uh, uh, that one reporter. 
lady who was on CBS a couple of times. Yeah. I can't remember the joke, <laughs> but trust me, it was really good. It was really, it was, it was really good. It was so relevant. You remember that, can I have your number? And he smells her hair and says, you're my little croissant. No. That was on Key and Peele, right? Hmm. <laughs> Here's what's something that's kind of interesting. I remember a lot of the Mad TV that I remember. I kind of remember watching it on actual t- uh, television, but I do remember watching a lot of clips on YouTube. And mm-hmm. Mad TV ended, announced its final season um, around 2008, 2009, which I think is kind of like when YouTube just started to to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's kind of interesting how it um, how I kind of coincide the two, just because of yeah. you know how how. The death of one brought the the birth of another, I think. And it's almost like it's almost like that maybe SNL should have taken the hint and just like <laughs> stopped. Died. <laughs> but you know, not all good things have to come to an end, you know. And speaking of board games that almost never ended, uh, fighting it out. Mad TV has produced a board game. They came out with a board game. That's what the one that we're taking a look at this week. We haven't even introduced the show yet, but here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the internet's podcast where we take a look at the weirder, more bizarre board games that are out there. And today is all about Mad Magazine's board game that they produced back in the 1970s. Now, Mad Magazine is a very influential magazine. And so naturally, you know, if if you're trying to, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is well hang on i gotta sell, tell my name first i guess i'm sort of going off here before i even <laughs> for me got the, a... got the bullets in the gun uh thomas schrungerberg one of the creators of rough draft games and with me here as always is garrett lively the neil brain to thomas and steven seagal the pepsi to his coke and the mad tv to his snl mm. this is the highest compliment you could have ever paid me thank you you're welcome and also with us is uh, Jeff Lee, uh, to follow the same analogy as Garrett, I'm the RC Cola to the Mad TV to Thomas's SNL. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, right? So, like, you know, Coca-Cola sold in the supermarket, <laughs> yeah. Garrett's Pepsi-Cola sold in the gas station, you're hawking RCs out of the back of your van under, under down by the river. That's even a stronger <laughs> analogy. I was actually directly relating RC Cola to Mad TV. That's the yeah, kind of jump it's I was making. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Thank you, Thank you Garrett. So one thing, one thing I was I was sort of thinking is that a lot of times we see board games as sort of a, a cheap way to commodify a brand, right? Uh, it's we're yes. like, oh, they just slap some stickers on this, the brand on it, and they're trying to sell this and make a, an easy buck. Right. Uh, what's interesting is if you look into the history of Mad Magazine, Mad Magazine was uh, it, the first issue came out in the 1950s. And one thing that has always been notable about Mad Magazine, especially in its earlier years, is their lack of advertising. They specifically chose to not have to have minimal advertising in their magazine so that they would be free to do satirical, uh, more satirical takes on the pop culture that was relevant at the time, right? And so you have sort of this uh, moralistic, almost, I'm hesitant to say it, but integrity of the magazine uh, to stop from you know cashing in so to speak but then we have a board game which sort of like speaks against the idea of cashing in since we've seen that so common for it's so common for large brands to cash in with a board game yeah was this a cash in gear uh i think i think that is a deep question and and you posing it is is giving me some food for thought but i i think probably a little bit later my my quick answer is no. I don't think it's necessarily just a cash in, but I, I do see where you're going with that. Because everything that has to deal with Mad Magazine and Mad TV is absurdist. Um, mm. It's a good cover if they fail, right? Like <laughs> they know that <laughs> they know that if they if they just completely botch it, uh, making a board game, they're like, mm, that's the point. We got you talking about it, but you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how well this did commercially, but I, I just think that's kind of interesting. Like, it's always kind of been this. You know that's part of the joke kind of thing with uh, with absurdist humor and um, and we'll go into that a little bit more with the gameplay I think the amoeba like shield of comedy the or the eternal right. yeah. <laughs> I was just kidding around right that's <laughs> <laughs> just a joke dude come on you, you just didn't get it. get it you just didn't get it you I mean well, that's it. the thing with all arts in, in, including comedy like if you want to have integrity you can't be popular and, and give in to <laughs> give in to what your fans want or what anybody wants you just do you but then in order to be successful you you kind of have to it, little, it, it's yeah. a strange yeah it's a strange balance in in, in all art forms and then right and comedy comedy notwithstanding but you know if you want to branch out as a as a comedic brand and and try something new like that 
yeah, it's it's a it's a fine line to walk, and it's it's hard to say. You, you just know, gotta was, you was just want to be lucky. Or, or was it an extension? Was it something new that had mm-hmm. never been done for? for and it's like certainly Mad something that Mad Magazine has probably struggled with, and it's a question that they probably grappled with for decades at this point because they've they've been around for so long. I don't think they're still in production. Um, I think because I know the TV shows stopped in mm-hmm. 2010. They had a cartoon on Cartoon Network, but regardless. Right, we're, we're, that's all way in the future. This board game came out when, Garrett? Do you happen to know? Yeah, this game came out in 1979, and it is a direct uh, kind of riff on Monopoly. Uh, in fact, they, they use Monopoly-style money. They have a Monopoly-shaped board, but then they they take different various, you know, twists and turns that kind of change change the uh, change the genre a little bit, just to give it a give it a little bit something extra. Uh, give it a little satirical look. So it's uh, it's it's trying to capitalize on, on, I think, the brand of Monopoly, or at least rip off the brand of Monopoly. Uh, it has the exact same you know box shape. It's got kind of the same layout of of the of the guy in the center, uh, and he's got the board in front of him. There's know, no the purchasing box. of property though, which is interesting because that seems to be the central core mechanic of Monopoly is actually using your money to do oh, yeah, things. Yeah, That's yeah. one thing that happens in this game is they give you a lot of money to play with, but there's not a lot <laughs> to do. With it. <laughs> you just yeah, stumble upon it, it, and then you just... cert- yeah, it's certainly an inversion of, of Monopoly, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Mad I the Mad brand is certainly an inversion of a lot of the, you know, like you were talking about the the absurdist looks. I, Jeff, you're talking about the absurdist looks at different things, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's important to keep that in mind as you're as you're going through this game and just seeing what it has to offer and and kind of the intent behind some of their decisions to design things the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it came out in the seventies. We don't have the designer, unfortunately, but I, I think we know that, you know, basically mad magazine put this out. Like it, it, it right, was, right. you know, the, it's the called the collect- mad magazine game, right? Like, yeah. So if, if you haven't think we, if you did thought that we hadn't been saying the name of the game, we actually were, <laughs> it's just mad magazine. And then the word game attached right. to it and there's your there you go <laughs> and and we know that i i believe parker brothers actually put this out um they might have done the reprint um i'm not sure if they did the original this game got a reprint what so yeah so we were watching a youtube commercial of it back in the 80s mm-hmm. and uh so i think it was 81 is when the commercial we were watching it was from and it was uh it was like from parker brothers so it was it was i think the game came out in 79 and, and by the time you know, in the early in the eighties, Parker brother would pick it up. And, and I think it's funny going back to your point, Mad Magazine probably didn't advertise this game at all, but once they got into distribution with Parker brothers, Parker brothers, like we have to, like, you, you can't just, you can't just have it out there <laughs> and out sell there, copies. Yeah. You have to advertise it. You have to have a family playing it, you know, having a good time on the T on the big, big TV tube, uh, in order to sell copies. So, and even the commercial, yeah. like, you know, obviously the commercial is like, it's a family playing these games and, mm-hmm having fun but then if you listen closely the things they say are kind of absurdist too like at the end the kid says i lost everything i won (laughs) so it's just you know you can kind of tell that everything's a little tongue-in-cheek and they know what they're you know they're hitting at there yeah i a lot one thing that i I do notice also in the commercial is they're making a big deal about the the physicality of the challenges Mm -hmm. uh and like the people because one some of the interesting stuff that happens in this game is for a game that is so early uh, and that is also modeled after uh, Hasbro. I think one of the earlier takes on satirizing board games was to actually bring an element of physicality moving around and player interaction to those o- earlier games because that, you know, with Monopoly, you're just taking money from other players. You're not doing anything to make each other laugh. And so they're making a big deal out of like some of the cards that you pull ask you to boo another player, to jump up and down and cluck like a chicken in order to move forward in the game. So yeah. they're trying to. I, that sounds like the most elementary, tame sort of mechanics that you can implement in a game. I think the first time we had something like involved like this was with, uh, what was it, Beeropoly did yeah. this on like our fifth or sixth episode. So today it's not new at all. It's episode two. Yeah, episode two. Oof. Jeez. It's been a while, boys. We've come a long way from doing Monopoly tropes, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> 70 episodes later, we're back with another Monopoly <laughs> Monopoly game. Got to return to the greatest hits. So what has become commonplace now was sort of, I guess, the cutting edge of uh, of satire back in the day, back in the 1970s. Um, so it's interesting that it all started with sort of the, the OG 
satirical voice, which is Mad Magazine, the same people. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are other examples, but I can't think of any. I, I, I think you're right. This is probably one of one of the first games that's like ask like that's an actual board game that's asking you to do kind of the cranium esque like party game shenanigans mm-hmm. and they're like fairly simple tasks but it's like you know get up or walk around the table balancing a card on your head you know something mm-hmm. like that um bringing it you know bringing physical activities or, or anything like that and bringing it to the board game and, and i think the problem i have with some of it play. though is that um when they're asking you to do some of these dexterity based things like usually there's some sort of pressure that they add to like time but there's no real mm-hmm. time pressure. There's not like a um, there's not like a sand time in this game. So swapping seats in the in the commercial, they made it seem like musical chairs ass. Like people were rushing to swap seats. But in real life, it was like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I guess they gotta swap seats. Like you know, people just kind of get up and they move. But because there's no real time element to it, um, and there's mm-hmm. no penalty if you don't do it quickly. So like you know, compared compared to like Cranium, you have to like try to act things out and be the first one to do something, or um, you don't get that same, I guess pressure to, to perform um in this game i feel like so yeah they do ask you to do some wacky things but they're most for the most part doable um except for like jump in the air and hover for 37 seconds or whatever there's obviously <laughs> yeah. med- straight impossible yeah. tasks yeah uh so we're, we're looking at this game by mad magazine garrett we are uh, we of course played the tabletop simulator uh version of it is actually they did a really good job importing the board everything was like really clear pretty high quality mm-hmm. uh who was ever in charge of the mod um but let's go ahead and let's What's uh, what's in the box? Let's make this official, Garrett. Let's uh, yeah, I'm I'm with Jeff on this. What's what's in the box? The box. What's in the box? Open up the Mad TV magazine game, and inside you will find the bifold board, uh, with a like I said, very similar track that you would find in Monopoly, with two notable exceptions. There are two inside tracks that you will be journeying into. Uh, one is kind of uh, U-shaped. You'll just take a take a jaunt around, and one is a straight line. And once you get to the end of it, you have to turn around and go back. Uh, inside, we also have four denominations of money. We of course have the five thousand dollar bill, the one thousand dollar bill, the five hundred dollar bill, and the ever necessary one million three hundred twenty nine thousand sixty three dollar bill. Which At, wow, <laughs> there's only one copy of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you have some player pawns and you have some dice as well as some card cards, which are riffs on, you know, you know, treasure chest or community chest or, uh, uh, chance cards, chance cards. Yeah. Yeah. Community chest and chance cards from Monopoly. And other than that, you just got your rules and the rules fairly simple. You're going to roll your dice. You're going to move Oh, one. Sorry. You're going to roll your dice with your left hand. You must roll your dice with your left hand or else you will uh, take a penalty. Uh, you're going to move counterclockwise around the board. Uh, just kind of, it, it, it's just really breaking those uh, those habits you formed with all other boards. I think it's funny life, because so. the game came in the late 80s, or, or sorry, late 70s, that like mm-hmm. left hand is so taboo. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like now it's like, okay, whatever. But like right. back in the day, like everyone has to be a right hander, otherwise you're in the mental asylum. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's. They're like just put hook you up to the electrodes and just shock it out of you. you know? cra- yeah, they're calling you pretty nuts <laughs> if you have to roll things with the left hand. Now you're like, all right, whatever. The uh, the steps are listed four, three, two, one. Uh, then following that, the rules are B, then A, and then Z, Y, X, W, V, U. So they're they're like you said, they're just inverting everything. They're just they're making it wild and wacky. They're uh, making you have to think a little bit before you do everything. Uh, additionally, when you draw the chance cards, you have to Read it, pick it up, turn it face up, and then put it underneath the face down deck. Um, so just because that's how they want you to discard cards. Mm-hmm. And then basically all you're doing as you move around the board, you are landing on spaces following those instructions. And the first person to lose all of their money is the winner. Insane subversion. Wow. I've You know, <laughs> the, the idea that you took Monopoly and you said, what if? What if instead of gaining all the money, trying to lose all your money? What if you lost it? Wow. Wow. Took the theme on its head. Blew my mind. I am I am against, you know what? I think I got to go uh, change my voter registration. I got to go join <laughs> a different political party. Or I, I got to do something totally radical here because my perspective on buying property has changed forever. I'm uh, got to join the commune here, boys. 
This is gonna. It's 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 got a new lease on life. In fact, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna use that word lease anymore. No. I have a new perspective on life because I've seen. I've seen it taken. It's on its head now, and now my brain is just blown. You should teach others. I know. I should start a cult. Start. I will. I think I will. I think I'll I'm have the to. opposite. So because I already, I'm Alfred. already in a cult, I'm gonna have to go to regular life <laughs> and uh, no. purchase Switch a back. suburban home. I. <laughs> I, I tease, of course. I tease, of course, because I don't know. I, I just sort of expect a little bit more out of Mad TV. These guys have been lampooning and satirizing for they're twenty years in the game at this point, and this is the best they could do to satirize Monopoly, right? That's sort of the, that's sort of the main idea. They're taking the idea, yeah. you know, turning it on its head. I would have loved to have seen a little bit, a little bit of something said about the housing market. I would have loved to see a little bit of something <laughs> said about. Uh, the the idea of railroads being implemented is one of the main forms of rolling again. Sure. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, it's just it's very surface level. It's not a very harsh take. You know, it's not a very yeah. deep take here. Well, we, I, I did just, leave I like out one thing. Every cut. time you pass start as opposed to go, you lose five hundred dollars. Oh to my god! So, pretty big, you know, right? Pretty big. Yeah. Pretty. pretty yes big is no, and no, and no is yes, Tom. Yeah, uh, that's 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 about as deep as we really go here for the satire stuff, which stinks because we opened up the show by talking about like how how far back Mad TV goes and Mad Magazine goes and sort of you know their their legacy and when they got rolling. So that's yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> I wonder how. Um, sorry, I wonder how like oh, scathing like uh, like typical satire was of the era because you know obviously the seventies did come with a lot of. Um, like very radical views as well, but I wonder, like from the perspective of Mad Magazine, if they were like, "Well, we're just satirizing Monopoly, which is a family game. We don't want to go so far crazy that like we won't be able to sell the game." Because you know they are still pitching it to families, so it's not like they're gonna go, "Yeah, we're gonna put like hookers in this game, or like something, or we're gonna murder people." That's true. They do have commercials of the whole so, family. And, they, and well, and most importantly, I think is they it got produced by Parker Brothers. So you know, I wonder. Right. If that really bound their hands and how far they could go in terms of like obviously Parker Brothers mm-hmm. isn't going to produce a game that's like you know oh, th- yeah they made it for ages eight plus a- yeah exactly mm-hmm. so I-, I think like if you consider the era and then the age demographic maybe that's why for us we find that it's pretty low level like of absurdist humor mm-hmm. um, compared to. Mm-hmm. Like I like I would have loved like there was a gambling mechanic in the game, but I would have loved if they really made you, <laughs> if instead of like just win loss, they made you choose how much money, choose how much money, or continue to roll. Like you had right. to do it ten turns <laughs> because you're addicted or something. Like yeah. that's a little too dark for maybe an eight year old to understand. I think that's probably why they kept it out. So uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Tom. Uh, at, at, at a high level, I think that you, obviously Mad TV could have done a lot more. Um, especially for adults but i wonder if because of who they partnered with they they really had their hands tied here that's a really good point i hadn't thought of that as far as like their because they have some pretty you know brilliant writers working for them i know one of the offshoots of mad magazine was uh national lampoon or they were highly associated with working with one another like they're they've they've done a lot of uh is national lampoon the same as mad hang on i gotta fact check that um, so Parker Brothers and obviously Hasbro, Parker Brothers, or producers of Monopoly. What's Parker Brothers producing Monopoly at the time in 79? I think they've always had Monopoly. Okay, so they, they knew Ooh. they were producing like a, a satire right. for their own game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, again, I wonder how scathing it could be. Like if they were just right. shitting all over Monopoly, right yeah, then, then they'd be like, well, we're kind of cannibalizing our own, you know, our own game a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's a really good point that you bring up, Jeff, that the fact that they could have had their head, hands tied and they weren't going to be able to do as risque of takes as they might have uh, if, if they weren't working with Parker Brothers. I do have to make a correction. So earlier I said two things. One, I said that Mad might not be in operation anymore. They switched to a reprint status. So they currently are still operating based off of subscriptions, but it's mostly reprints from what I understand. And two... Earlier, I said that National Lampoon and and Mad Magazine were connected. They're actually not. I I thought that they were. I thought that they were sort of like the same because they're very they're very much in the same vein as as each other, right? right? National yeah. Lampoon, but I think National Lampoon targets a more 
uh, mature audience because they were they're responsible for you know the right. vacation series with Chevy Chase and yeah. Animal House and and all of that. Whereas Mad Magazine, it would be no surprise to see like a kid or a teenager, sort of a rambunctious youth. Uh, looking at Mad Magazine, hence maybe why they're a better fit for Parker Brothers and yeah. playing with the game. But yeah, they, they're they're still. I think we could have gone a little bit deeper as far as the the satirical takes for it go. Yeah. But I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I I tend to agree. I think you're probably right in that they you know if they wanted to take shots at you know Monopoly or or, or modern board games, mm-hmm. uh, have a little bit more focus and and direct those more specifically towards those games. Um, that being said, I do think they have created a bunch of like self-sufficient jokes within the game, um, just by the collaboration of of mechanics that are that are being mm-hmm. utilized here. Um, yeah. One of the rules I didn't go over in the game is the rule of majority rules, and so if there's ever like a rule or a card or a space that doesn't make sense, everybody votes on it, and you guys make a decision together, which can, <laughs> I, I think, is a, is a great way to just, like, say, hey, you know, these are all absurd. You know, there's some really wonky interactions. Y'all figure it out. Uh, just mm-hmm. have a good time. Right. And, I, I you know, I, even games today, I feel like, would, would really benefit from doing this. Um, like, games on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, like Gloomhaven. Like, sometimes it's just like, all right, I'm trying to figure out this monster's, like, rules for moving and it seems weird that he's going to move in the opposite direction but that's that's what the rules say so let's do it and sometimes it's just got to be like like just have them behave smartly just like just like do do what makes sense and i think i think that this game benefits from from doing that um and you know kind of like i was saying i i think while the scathing satire isn't really here and that's not really where the humor uh is found in this game Mm -hmm. what is happening is like there's insane these insane combos of like spaces and cards coming together and forcing these like crazy interactions between players and i, I mean we were laughing at, at, at throughout yeah. different points of this game and it you know it's not because of what the necessarily the writer had done like the joke on the board but because of the interactions that all came together correct yeah there's a having... couple there's a couple i want to touch on um in a bit but i wanted to talk about like the uh, i guess the current or the modern state of how game rules are written and how people follow them so i think is it pan- it might be pandemic or pandemic legacy it mentioned something along the lines of what happens if i get something wrong right and they they explicitly call out like just try to figure out the best you can it probably doesn't yeah, make a big deal like it's probably not that's a big legacy deal. yeah mm-hmm. so and i love that you know i think people get especially in today's day and age there's try there's kind of this like you know, movement of people that are casuals that are trying that to play more games. That whole game is invalidated because you went before me. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, I think people just get too caught up in the rules where, where at the end of the day, the point of it is to, like, have a good time. Um, obviously, you want to mm-hmm. win fair and square, but, you know, I doubt that people will feel like, oh, man, if I had just done this right. slightly well, I mean, differently, I, then... I think there's a difference between cheating and... Oh, agreed, yeah. And, you, like, you, yeah. and, like, not understanding a muddy rule and, like, making a call. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that we should definitely go into, because we sort of said what was in the box and, you know, what what the board game looks like, but let's talk about the mechanics. There's, because, as we mentioned earlier, even though this is clearly a jibe at Monopoly, there's no buying and selling of properties. It very much functions much like a roll and move. You know, you're going across the board, and most of the interactions are, I would say... Most of the interactions are just instructions telling you on when to switch money with other players. Right. <laughs> and, like, that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to burn your money, and sometimes you're drawing cards that say you do something crazy, and, you know, if you fail, you pick up an extra 500 If you lose or if you uh, succeed, then you're able to get rid of $500. There are spaces that you can land on that which will make you force to collect yourself force you to collect another another certain amount of currency. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the more crazy interactions that probably brought us the most joy is as you're moving around this crazy board trying to lose all your money, uh, there are opportun- there are copious amounts of squares that just tell you, okay, is anyone smiling? If yes, then you're going to uh, swap money with, them. Swap money with, uh, with the person who's smiling. Yeah, or yeah. the people who are smiling, or or change places. Sometimes, sometimes you don't cha- swap <laughs> money. You you straight up have to get up and move to another seat, yeah. and you have to work with the the pawn and the money in that person. So you're swapping characters or pawns. changing the turn order. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it, it's it's totally taking the mechanics and it's turning them on their head. And it's sort of not just 
poking fun at Monopoly, but also board games in general, because you're usually attached to one one piece that represents you, and forcing people to give it up as part of like one of the mainstays of your mechanics is that actually is kind of that kind of interesting and, and unique as far yeah, as uh, sure. subverting the traditional rules of board games. Yeah, I want to talk about um, maybe a couple of our favorite, you know, um, interactions that were kind of absurd. So, like, one, one of the earlier ones was um, you land on a space and it tells you to send everybody else anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in mm-hmm. the game, there's actually a space called anywhere. So you actually have to send them there. And then if they roll a certain thing, they go to start. If they roll another thing, they, they gain some money. And I thought that was kind of slightly clever. Um, you know, it, it, you're like, huh, okay, you know. And, and, but there's other other spaces as well um, that will, like like Thomas was mentioning, cause you to change exchange money. There's other spaces that will cause you to actually gain money. And again, you're trying. Remember, the objective is that you're trying to lose money. Um, I think one of our favorite spaces was there's a. I landed on it first. It was a gambling space, and if you rolled evens, you doubled, and if you rolled odds, you lost everything but then gained 1500 so basically you you go down to 1500 right Mm -hmm. um so i thought that there were some obviously some certain interesting mechanics and it's actually pretty hard to lose all of your money i mean it it took us we did eventually do it um with the small twist in the rules i think but Mm -hmm. um it's like almost impossible to to lose all your money without people trying to go after you or, or do you know trying to make sure that you're picking up as much money as you can. especially with that majority rules rule where they have some un, some <laughs> yeah. vague vague mentionings of what's supposed to happen now and then you have the other two people right. step in and say you know uh one of the cards was like are you a boy are you a boy person if so lose five hundred dollars Garrett draws the card he's like oh cool i'm gonna get rid of five hundred dollars and then we're like whoa uh, boy technically you are over the age of 18 you are no longer a boy you are an adult yeah Mm -mm. so So, yeah yeah, i I think that's great and to, to jeff's point i think kind of if you think of monopoly it's got this inherent structure where the uh, mechanics are driving the game towards a conclusion. You're building up properties, and and you know you, you you're losing money as you go around. Like odds are you're gonna continue to lose money. Uh, other people will give you money, but the, like the neutral spaces are just again you losing money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it it drives the game towards a conclusion. Whereas this, I'm not sure I'd have to look at it, but it it feels like there is a pretty pretty even split of gaining money and losing money so sometimes it's it's completely up in the air um mm-hmm. as, as to like if this game will end in an appropriate amount of time yeah. i'm sure it does but it, it certainly didn't feel like that I, I i think one there was one player and that player was switching between the three of us because we were moving seats and exchanging money but there mm-hmm. was one stash of money that was always low throughout the game and i feel like the other two were like increasing like yeah. people were going yeah. up in, in their personal supply of money so one, one I, I think I that would, was probably yeah. one bit of game design and, and maybe it was on purpose but it, one bit of game design i think they probably could have tweaked a little bit to have it feel like people are progressing throughout the game and and mm-hmm. you can still have those spaces that are like oh crap i'm gaining money but have it feel more i don't know progressive to build on that idea of progressing through the game, one thing that I think was actually detrimental to this was the amount of lose-a-turn situations that you would find yourself in. <laughs> yeah. There were, not only were there many, many, many situations where you were, if you were sent to anywhere, you essentially lost your turn because you had to roll to get out of the space. If you landed on one of the Alfred E. Newman spots, you would lose a turn. If you draw a certain card, you'd lose a turn. If you, uh, there were... A couple other situations, random tiles that basically forced you to lose a turn. But by far the worst was the old maid tile, where if you landed on that, you would lose turns perpetually until someone else rolled a 7 or a 1. So the first time that I've seen dice-based purgatory, where I don't even get to roll the dice. Out of your control, buddy. Sorry about that. It's awful. It was... it ground everything to a halt for me. Like I had, <laughs> I had the game minimized for I, a, a while, and I was just like, "Well, like, there's nothing I can." Well, do. let me know when I, I think, can come back. I, th- I think I took about four turns as as that. Was yeah, because I ended up landing on that same spot, and so Garrett was just playing alone for a little bit. And uh... <laughs> we uh, we had that exact same mechanism in the Shrek blockbuster board game where yeah. i was in jail and just stuck there fortunately that was near the end of the game but yeah i think it's one of the one of the notes on that old maid spot is it's if you roll a one or a seven which i think is is pretty funny because they you're normally rolling two dice so one is generally never possible so it's basically if you roll a seven there are a couple times when you do roll a single die and so it is you know somewhat useful but you guys got out on the 
Yeah. There was one you where you rolled three. One. So you, that's where we ended up yeah, getting out of there. was one where I rolled a three because I rolled a, a single one. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I, I thought it was, uh, I, I thought that was a nice little note as far as the them anticipating that rule. But I, I do agree the lose a turn situation came up you know, quite a bit. And I think, you know, in general, lose, but I don't think we had figured that out by the by the 70s and 80s that lose a turn is a bad thing in board games. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's used in a ton of rule moves. I think uh, one of my favorite gimmicks is you can land on the Alfred e, one of the Alfred E. Newman spots, and it says lose your turn or go ahead 27. Um, and so you, obviously, you want to kind of figure out your chances here or what's going to happen. So you start to count around the board. Um and you go, okay, 25, 26, 27. You count all the way around the board, and you land on another spot that's also, if your name is Alfred <laughs> Newman, collect $1,321,063. If not, lose a turn. So either way, you're going to lose a turn. <laughs> so I, I mean, I kind of like that that's the, the level yeah. of humor that's in the game. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, you know, modern day um, like cosplay girlfriend. You know, it's like kind of this absurdist, like sure. everything's kind of bad, but, you know, what's worse kind of question. Um, and, and you're trying to figure out a way to scrape by in the game. Mm-hmm. So while I think that I, I appreciate kind of the, the built-in jokes here with like the, me- the mechanisms of the board game, and I, I really do appreciate those and how those work together, what I do have an issue with is that there's not a lot of player agency. Like I don't, there's not a lot of times that we were making decisions. It was basically, you know, you move here, follow follow the directions. And it, when there were decisions, they were pretty cut and dry as to like one is objectively better. You know, it's mm-hmm. like who are you going to send to tough luck to to take more money? And it, you know, you're going to pick the person who's in first, right? Yeah. Or right. should I lose a turn here? Or should I lose a turn here? Like kind of like Jeff was saying. Um, there's not a lot of like, you're not, you know, we are thinking about, um, a cosplay girlfriend, you had cards that you could hold on to and choose when to play them. Um, this game really didn't have that. There was one, one card that said before draw the next card and then give it to somebody, but don't look at the card before you give it to them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a blind shot, <laughs> like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to this guy and who knows if it's positive or negative. So I, I think a little bit of player agency, and I think this game would have been actually I would have really enjoyed this game because um, I thought it was humorous from me- mechanisms. And, and you can have a completely lucky game, but just to give some people some agency and not just make it a simulation because, you know, skill is pretty much non-existent in this game. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think because um, uh, the player agency as well as like the gotcha mechanic and you're always trying to go after people and it makes it feel like, right. you know, you're making decisions based on kind of the trade-offs that you have. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I want to kind of touch on is... Um, you know, I didn't realize that Spy vs. Spy was a Mad TV product. Um, so <laughs> yeah, man, you didn't know that. So yeah, I was kind of yeah, I, I was kind of peeking through and uh, like looking through spy, some Spy vs. Spy stuff. But it's, I think it's pretty cool that it shows up here in this game. Yeah, most of the art I think is just it's. I mean, when you're sitting on top of a magazine that is built on the back of really creative animators. Their most of their stuff, I think, is from the magazine itself, right? It's it's. I don't think there was unique art that was made for this game. Uh, maybe there was. Maybe some of the cover art, but some of the tiles, the the art on the tiles. I don't know. It's I, part of me wanted to see with as as much talent as I know that you have in the back rooms of Mad Magazine art that was specifically made for this game but i guess then again it'd be really tough to tell because they're sitting on so much probably already completed assets how would you how would you know for sure yeah but yeah if you look at the art yeah and compare that to Mm -hmm. the text a lot of it doesn't make sense right like um there's one here the gambling one um and it's a guy in jail um it doesn't really necessarily correlate and then yeah that could happen but but probably probably (laughs) they could have asked him draw a guy in a jail cell for the gambling tile or they they just probably grabbed a random asset exactly exactly so um, So that's a little that's a little sad you know that they they felt the need to do that when they would have been so easy for them to put a little bit more thought into it and Mm -hmm. either one create custom art or two Search a little harder in your archives, boys, and find something that might make a little bit more sense. One more other thing I want to kind of touch on is um, probably before we go to reviews is uh, SNL created a board game. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Uh, what? Not not of that era. It's like of modern day. Um, it's called uh, Saturday Night Live: The Game. Uh, the so Euro game. It's literally called Saturday Night Live: The Game, similar to Mad TV: The Game. So um, it, it's on Amazon right now and. 
Um, I haven't looked too much into it, but I see that the cards are listed by era, 1970s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. So I'm wondering if it's... Is it like a deck builder or is it a 4X? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, like a deck builder. Game. A deck builder. I got the Ron Burgundy card. Wolf he's Wolf. he's OP. <laughs> <laughs> the Will Ferrell card. Yeah. All he does is scream in everything single sketch. That's you know he's he's got his weak points. I got know? the. <laughs> I got Jimmy Fallon. He keeps looking at the camera while we're trying to do a scene. This is su- this sucks. He's, he's detrimental <laughs> to my build. That's his weakness. I got the more cowbell card. I just keep playing it. Oh God. It's Anybody much, else have yeah. any other overall thoughts on the, the the game as far as mechanisms or anything go before we I, jump into reviews? I'm actually sort of surprised. It's, as the conversation's gone on, it's given me a little bit more perspective as to why they might have made the choices that they did. And yeah. I appreciate some more the some of the more rather than subverting Monopoly, they're subverting board games, I think, as a whole. Sure. And I think I've yeah. sort of realized that as we talked about the um just the amount of rules in there. It says, rolling with your left hand, you know, you lose points. You have to do this immediately. I think, as I go back and I think about the rules that they provided with the game, they they have a lot of extra ones in there that have that are sort of ridiculous as you read them. So they're sort of making fun of board games in general in addition to just Monopoly. Um, so I sort of have a greater appreciation of that. And and from that, yeah, I, I, I want to take a look at some of the reviews that maybe we can find online and see what other people sort of think about this game, and if it's sort of tint rose tinted glasses due to nostalgia, or if other people are appreciating and getting the satire. I want to kick off with two very shallow reviews, but it has made me chuckle. So um, one is this guy Peter Dink, P T R D N K, I think. Uh, so he, yeah. he gave it a five, and he wrote, "What me worry?" Um, and then the reason why that's kind <laughs> this, of yeah, the, the slogan for mad, perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I I, I appreciated that. And then the, another person, Mad Cat One, gave this a six, and he wrote in in proper spelling, it is reverse monopoly. R e v e r s m o n o p a l y. So uh, with that, we can jump into some real reviews. Uh, I've got I got one here from Eddie from uh, Belgium. He says it's mad and funny the first time you play it, but even then it outstays its welcome a bit when you've gone through all the cards. As a child of its time, it's worth the couple of euros I paid for it. Now it'll move on to another gamer who's curious what this game is all about. Uh, he gave it a four out of ten. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of the lower ranking scores that say similar things. Uh, there's a person gave it a three. Or the name is Ibn Catlab. Uh, yeah, this is basically sort of a novelty joke game. It's a roll and move with no real decisions. If you like Mad Magazine, well, there are plenty of jokes, but there is basically nothing deep to see here. Very surface-level sentiments. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as I'm going through the reviews, it's a lot of that. It's like, if, if they liked it, it was because it was funny. If they didn't like it, it's the humor fell flat, and the mechanics don't hold, hold it up. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I think we can all yeah. agree that the mechanics are super shallow. But the the, the sur- absurdness of the overall, like the meta of the game is, is what makes So it. I do agree with that, but I also think that the way, like kind of like I was saying, the way the mechanics come together... Um, yeah, is, that's true. I would is, say they change. It's pretty, pretty well. cool, yeah. and I, I don't know if it's intentional, but you know, there's some there is some forethought to that. And like, all right, if this happens, it sets off this chain reaction where everybody is you know in in complete disarray, and then you have to vote on what happens. So um, mm-hmm. I you know I while I agree the me- mechanics are dead simple, roll and move counterclockwise, roll using your left hand, um, and just follow the instructions. I, I think some of the some of the writing that they they put in the spaces and on the cards. Uh, creates a little bit of diversity and a little bit of depth that yeah is, is cool yeah to see. that's fair is, is that a fine line to walk in your opinion garrett between because like a little bit of pandemonium especially for a brand or anything that mad magazine is touching is probably good but yeah. at what point do you go from oh we got a little bit of chaos to we have no structure at all <laughs> this is certainly on the line um yeah i think <laughs> I think I think this is probably more on the no structure side. I think, you know, th- though I was kind of praising that rule, like, hey, just figure it out, the majority rules rule. Um, that can certainly be abused, and that can certainly be considered, like, lazy. Uh, lazy mm-hmm. game design, where, like, if you haven't thought of all the edge cases. But at the same time, I think kind of the point of this is, is to have a good time. So I, I, I actually think there's a good decision in this game's part 
to to have a little bit less, have a little bit more anarchy, just steer towards anarchy. I thought the rules to this game were great. It was, you know, I've, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I'm a big rules stickler. And, and like, I I think concise rules are good. I thought the rules in this were really good. They tell you what you need to know, and they're like, just go. And then if there's a question, figure it out uh, and default to the cards and, and just go. They actually uh, list the company's phone number and information if you right. have questions about the game in the rule book, <laughs> which is pretty interesting that for a company as, you know, hands-off and against you know advertising. Uh, yeah advertising and norms and that sort of stuff they're like yeah just reach on out to us you know if you got a question just come talk so but, it's very it's that's but when kind you of think about like elegance and board games you want to have simple like overall rules like if you think of if you think of dominion right it's all right draw five cards play any you can play one action you can play as much money as you want and then you can buy a single card and then you clean it up abc like, those are the rules you can teach yeah you can teach that in you know five seconds and then the depth comes from how the cards interact with each other uh if you think of it like that or quantum there's a bunch of games where it's just like all right, the rules are simple i can explain those in a sentence um, right and then as you as you go through the deck and see how those interact that's that's where the depth comes in. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's super nice to have, and it's super easy to get people to jump into games like that. You don't have to go through a ton of rules. You don't have to go through all these edge cases. Um, maybe you know, very very hardcore gamers will get upset that like, well, you didn't tell me this game, this card is in there that just says you win the game automatically. And you know, I think that's part of the fun and discovering that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think it's a fine line, and it, it just kind of depends on the tone you're going for with the game. I think overall elegance is desired. You want to have a simple game to teach, um, and have the depth come from player decisions, not in this case, or you know card variety mm-hmm. in this case. And and so I, I I do appreciate what they did here. Um, again, my my real gripe is that you don't have a ton of decisions. There's not a lot of yeah. player interaction or right. skill or anything. Right. Like that. Well, let's let's put some um, our own numbers to this here, Garrett. What would you give this game out of ten? Um. So yeah, like I said, I I I had I had fun playing it. I'm sure I would tire of it, but I don't think it's a one and done type of game. I think there's still some interactions that we have yet to see, just kind of based on what we were looking at. Um. I think probably there would have been some fun things that could have happened had uh, had we gone down some different routes. We didn't really use the one straight line route that goes up and comes back down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some places you can be sent. All of the spaces on the board are, are fairly unique. You know, um, you can. I, I think there's a lot of repeating, but there are some unique ones that I don't think we touched. Uh, a lot of chair moving, a lot of losing turns, a lot of passing mm-hmm. money. I'd like to see some sort of interaction where, like, on the same turn, you change seats and then pass money over. Uh, I think it would be fun. Um, so I, I think this game would eventually kind of tire out. Um, and I think that's exacerbated by not having any decisions, honestly. Like, really really simplifying it for the players um i think it's fun to watch and kind of laugh at people's disdain i honestly think this would probably be a pretty good drinking game if you just if you <laughs> if you want to make it um have fun and not really have to think about it and and just declare a winner at the end mm-hmm. um so I, I do appreciate all those i do also agree with you that there could have been more kind of from your earlier take i know you've moved on a little bit from this but i think there could have been more scathing satire or lampooning of of monopoly because that is the although yes they are going after board games in general this is clearly pointed at monopoly um i think from a design perspective right um from the money perspective like Start i think there could have been some more, yeah, yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. i think there could have been more jokes of you know t- talking about the you know i know monopoly is talking about the evils of, of capitalism or whatever but you know turning that on its head whatever making making jokes in that vein would have been would have been interesting to see um Mm. overall though i I had a good time with it it's not something i necessarily want to play a lot of but i think it's fun to kind of it's one of those things it's fun to subject somebody to and you know the the production's good the art is good like you said it they could have done a better job with that uh the components look good and i think they did a decent job i think parker brothers this is probably one of the early like the 70s 80s parker brothers games that i would i wouldn't mind having in my collection and if i actually did have a physical copy of this i would i would keep it in the roll and move collection but Mm -hmm. that being said actually playing it um like over and over with the same group is not something i'd be itching to do Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give this game a 
3.75. I'll take it from there. So when you talked about laughing at people in disdain, I think you were referring to me in this game, just of <laughs> how frequently I had a turn taken away from me. It was uh, it was a very infuriating experience. Like, I had no problem punishing players or gotcha mechanics and that sort of stuff, but I prefer it when it's inflicted upon me by other players and not necessarily just the game relentlessly hitting you over the head with multiple turn-stopping mechanics because you got unlucky or landed on a tile. Uh, I, I like it when it's more sort of in the way that it was with uh, anime, cosplay, girlfriend, whatever, that it could be used against you as sort of a calculated strategy. A lot of pitfalls in this game as far as stopping progress, stopping momentum, and just you know, leaving players feeling left out, like they have nothing, nothing that they can do, nothing that they can offer. Um, uh, that's, that's sort of the big, the big, the big drawback for me. And that, and I, 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 I don't know. I don't think I would ever play this game again. I don't think like the switching money and moving around to different mm-hmm. seats and having to, yeah, it's, it's a nice little bit of kerfuffle, but once you're doing it for the sixth or seventh time in the same game, it's like, okay, here we go again, you know? Like, it, it, it sort of has a law of diminishing returns. In any other game, if you were asked to trade all of your money to the other player or switch seats, it might have a more Im- a larger impact on the player because, oh my god, it's everything that I have, uh, I've, I've sort of accumulated. Uh, and while I get that that's sort of a stylistic choice, that, that maybe they're trying to break that attachment that you have to the game piece and the the money that you've accumulated or gotten rid of, rather, um, it 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 does have less and less effect every time that it occurs. And so eventually, you get to the point where you don't necessarily care that it's happening to you, right? But Because it's just like, well, it's happened like five other times, so maybe it'll happen again. And so there's no stakes, or stakes are removed or made less and less and less because you're taking these larger dramatic things that would happen normally in a different game because of the satirical message maybe that you're trying to get across. You're winding up with an experience that is less impactful overall. Uh, I don't think it has to be that way. Um, I think I might like it better if it wasn't that way. And so for that reason, I'm probably going to give this a... 2.5 out of 10 okay so yeah i think i'll reiterate that i wouldn't play this game over and over again um but i think as a i'll call it like a bit of an era piece kind of like i did with dark tower and i think also the fact that they poke fun at the meta um of board gaming is like really intriguing it seems like that's pretty early for its time i mean it seems in line with mad mad magazine but i think it's pretty neat that you know before even board games took off beyond the troubles and the I don't even know if trouble was around. I guess it, the Pop-O-Matic was pretty new, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I think you know the monopolies and the lives. I think that is what makes it really interesting to me that they know they know what they're doing. I mean, when you start reading the rules and they list the rules as rule number four, rule number three, rule number V, rule number X. <laughs> like I, I think, and you're trying to lose money and the objectives are kind of different. I think that that's where. Um, where a lot of the humor comes in. So I think I agree with you, Garrett. I think, you know, having people play through this once um, so they can kind of appreciate the humor of it. Um, it's probably enough. Um, and I think that's where most of my score comes in. I think where it lacks for me is around the game mechanics itself. It is. I, I agree with you that things can fall in line appropriately. Um, but most of it's just take or lose money, switch places with people, um, roll a dice, and then maybe some absurd skill checks. Like I'll read a couple here that I really like. Um, and, and part of the humor is kind of, unfortunately you guys can't see it at home, but part of the humor is in kind of the typography. Um, you are a rock rock is in (laughs) rock is in, uh, red font, all caps, like 35 point font. You are a rock Mm -hmm. act like one. If you're good, lose a thousand dollars. If you're not so good, win a rock. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's another one here. That's if you like this game, cross your leg, sit on your hands, cackle like a chicken and lose one egg. Also five hundred dollars. <laughs> so I like I like some of that humor. I think I think it kind of hits well and, it, and it's kind of um, stood the test of time. But mm-hmm. you know, once you've kind of gone through all the cards um, and played through the game once, I don't think I'd be coming back per se. But I think it's something that would be kind of neat to own. Um, something that you know, if you were 
like a board game historian per se, you might like want to frame this up and put this, you know, on a wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it's kind of cool. Um, okay. Due to uh, the nature of the episode, I'm going to give this a score of uh, 1,329,063 <laughs> out of 10. Oh, no. Well, it's going to be the highest rated game. But, well, I have, a good, I have a good question. I have a good question. And also in the spirit of the game, Garrett, is his name Alfred E. Newman? His name is not Alfred E. Newman. I think we're going to have to take a vote on whether we allow Jeff's score. I, I, yeah, I want to allow it. I'm not sure if I can allow that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll give it a 1.329. What were the final numbers? 1.32 is fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a one. No, I'm, I'm going all out. All right. 1.329. 0.63. 0.63. All right. Very good. Uh, that brings the Rough Draft Boys average to 2.53. Uh, not too far off. We're about two and a half points off from the Board Game Geek score of 4.9. Although I am quite glad to see that this is well above the uh, the Harry Potter Triwizard Tournament on Board Game Geek and in our mm-hmm. own reviews. Because, you know, when you're going to rip something off, at least make it your own. Make it original and uh, do your own thing. So I, I forgot to say that earlier, but I'm proud of them for uh, doing their own thing here. Not not just doing a straight rip off when they so easily could have. Mm-hmm. I really want to... so. I, one thing we didn't touch on is there is also a German version of the rules. <laughs> and you have your suspicions about this, right? Das Madspiel. There's part of the rules that look very different. Like, obviously, like formatting-wise, there's parts of the rules that look completely different from our rules. Like, they do mm-hmm. a little math here, and then they wrote $9,989. And then in ours, there's... There's something. There's 900 scratched out. And it says ten thousand dollars. So I'm really concerned about what the differences are. <laughs> and part of me makes makes me wonder if they tell two different demographics two different rules on the very <laughs> slim chance that they play the game together and interact <laughs> differently, that's which so is funny. which would be really meta. I doubt that I that's did, what I happened. I notice that money difference. I doubt that that's what <laughs> happened. But yeah, I just I looked at this and I kind of I kind of chuckled myself. But. One other thing that's funny is it's it's a at the top two to four players and then a German for two beasts for Spieler, and then it says ages 8 to adult in English, and then in German it says ab 100 monoton. So I don't know what that means, but I, I'm going to guess it's not ages 8 to yeah. adult. So, yeah. so <laughs> we'll find I out. have no clue. Or all our German-speaking friends, let us know. Let us know on the pod. So I got a little review here, guys, that we're going to be leaving on Board Game Geek for this uh, this page. Let's and hear it. Uh, very much, very much the spirit of everything we sort of talked about here. This game is literally unwinnable. If you land on a certain tile... There's not even enough cash to make change. Broken mechanics, broken game. Signed, Alfred N. Uh, I imagine I know exactly <laughs> what tile that we Alfred are. Alfred uh... did not have a good time. Boy. No, you get <sighs> that million Alf. bucks. It's sort of like Brewster's Millions. You have too much to do <laughs> with, and you're not. You're never going to be able to get rid of it all. It's hard. Rich get richer, man. Rich get richer. <laughs> what a tough life. What a tough life. Yeah. I can't sell them. I am so glad that I have basically no money. I'm on the brink of bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I feel, I feel bad for them. I feel invigorated so every time here. I look at my bank account and I go, who might not make uh, it next I can't month. even give it away fast enough. I just, <laughs> I don't get it. It's so hard. Well, as we sort of wind things up uh, after today's look at the history of Mad Magazine and also their uh, their venture into board games, I, I can't help but feel that there is a massive hole in my life uh, in regards to old Mad TV sketches. So if you've got some favorites, if you want to throw a, a nice Bobby Lee sketch at me or a Michael McDonald step, sketch at me or a Aries Spears, Alex Borstein... Our Twitter is open. You can hit us up at Rough Draft Games, and we can, you know what? We can sip our RC Cola under the bridge together. We don't need this in a brown paper bag. That's right. That's how it's done. You know, you gotta respect the rules, and uh, we'll just we'll talk about uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy theories while we while we watch some B plus comedy at best. If you're looking to get rid of your extra cash, uh, send us a PayPal. You can do that at roughdraftgames@gmail.com. We'll take any uh, any extra cash you got laying around, and uh, we're happy to take the L on this one, push you forward towards the win. Or if you have any other game recommendations, any uh, any links to the SNL board game that we can get from you, if you want to send it our way, get in touch with us at roughdraftgames@gmail.com. 
If you want more absurdist content, come on over to roughdraftgames.com where we have blog posts about other games, other episodes of Roll and Move, and of course the game that is at the brink of absurdity, All Rise. And lastly, but not least, we want to thank those of you who have gone to iTunes and rated us five stars. It means a lot. We're, we're super duper grateful for you guys and it helps people find the podcast in the future. We're always looking to expand our little universe here uh, so that we can have more listeners and more people who are part of our, our tight-knit Rough Draft Games community. We're, you know, we're thinking of getting motorcycles, starting a biker gang here soon. So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta up Patches. the admission count. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta make sure we got enough people so that we can go into a bar and we don't get our butts kicked. So uh, we're gonna need your help on that. If you want to go over to iTunes and give us five stars and you haven't, it will be, it will be wonderful for us. And uh, and also, if you if you want us to review a certain game that maybe you've had your eye on that you would like to hear our our take, perhaps. You can do that. You can make that happen. You can make the dream a reality by leaving us a review where you recommend a board game. Garrett will get it. He will buy it. And he will make sure that Jeff and I play it on the show. We're not going to talk about it. That last part the hardest. That last part's going to be the hardest. It's, we'll see if he can make it there. But, All right. All right, boys. Well, I'm going to have to go cut up my leather jacket sleeve so I can uh, join this biker gang. But uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you soon.